So each Christmas we hear this well-known story. This morning from Luke's Gospel, often from Luke's Gospel. The one about a man named Joseph and Mary, his young expectant wife-to-be, doing their civic duty by being registered in Bethlehem, in the region of Judea. With the whole world taking, the whole known world, taking part in Caesar Augustus' census, despite their stage in family life, Mary was great with child. They still had to register too, which meant setting off from Nazareth and trekking around 90 miles to Joseph's hometown of Bethlehem. And again, we can think, oh, well, they just got, Mary got on the donkey that is not mentioned in Matthew or Luke. And, and, and they just, they just, they just floated to Bethlehem. They disappeared in Bethlehem. We sing it and it's, and we just, we can imagine it almost like a cartoon fairy tale. But imagine being heavily pregnant and walking 90 miles in the terrain, the dusty terrain that they would have walked, carrying the things with you that you needed to carry. While they were there, Mary, heavily pregnant, starts to feel contractions. The couple search for somewhere to stay, traveling, hurrying from house to house, knocking on doors, looking for a place, any place. After being sent away time and time again, finally someone. I know, I, you know what I reckon? I reckon they'd already knocked on this door a few times. I reckon they knocked on every door a few times. Bethlehem would have been so busy, so overcrowded. It's likely that Joseph still had family members in Bethlehem. Some, some relative in Bethlehem. I'm sure he tried their door. And I wonder, some people suggest, but I wonder if perhaps a relative of Joseph, a distant relative, or a family friend from way back when Joseph lived there, I wonder if they finally said, look, Joseph, for the sixth time, we haven't got room. But we do have the place where the animals stay. If you're really, really desperate, that's the best we can offer you. Suppose you could put the baby in the manger. I'm reading between lines, I know. But that's what I imagine. So they took the, the animal's room for the night with a feeding trough as a crib for the baby. The child is born, wrapped in bands of cloth. We've read from Luke, and there's no fanfare at this point in time. There's no kind of fireworks to go off, no, nothing to mark the birth of Jesus Christ at that moment. Just, I'm sure, an exhausted mother, quite a baffled father, and a newborn baby, the promised newborn baby. This is how the King of Kings, God himself, came into the world. Just allow the humility, the love, and the grace of that statement to resonate with you for a while. This is how God Almighty chose to come into the world for you and for me. In the most humble and lowly and insignificant and easily missable of situations. Not intended to say this, but I reckon Donald Trump would do it differently. Yeah? Or even even our royal family. Even we expect so much more of people with great power, the great celebrities. They want to make a fuss. They want everyone to know. But often. This is the King of Kings. 
And that's how he came into the world. Then there are angels, one at first, announcing the birth to some shepherds. Don't let that get lost on you either. Shepherds were the lowest of the low, the outcasts. Pushed to the outskirts of the town and given the job of looking after the sheep and protecting the sheep. Really not respected or looked up to at all. The first people that God chose to make the announcement to. Kind of the, the couple like we have in the scene there looking like they're struggling to find somewhere to stay. I'm just pointing there. Oh, it is still there. Wow, well done. Thank you, Mark. Um, And then a multitude of the heavenly hosts joined that single angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace and goodwill to all people. The first people to hear that message were the scummy shepherds who nobody liked, everyone avoided. Goodwill to all people and peace to all people. That message is for them, that message is for you and me, that message is for everyone. The angels disappear, and quickly as they could, the shepherds get up and go to see this strange thing that has come to pass. So each year, we're invited to this scene, we focus on this scene. Each year, the story sounds familiar, yet isn't it true? It is for me, not just because I've got to find a slightly different angle each year, but, but it, it's, it's both familiar and slightly different too, at least a little bit. Something that we've previously forgotten might re-emerge. We, we'd find a different focus, or we're encouraged to find a different focus. We remember the nativity in a new way, or see it in a different light. wonder what the angels looked like. I wonder if you ever thought of that. I wonder if it's necessarily the image we have in our minds when we think of angels, or if they look different. I wonder how Mary managed that journey. Wonder what exactly that makeshift delivery room looked like. Wonder what Bethlehem sounded like that night. What noises were kind of filling the sky, not just from that from that stable, but from the whole town. What I love about scripture, what I love about my faith is it can more than cope with the, 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 the different ponderings, as, we, as it says Mary did, the different wonderings, the different thoughts. It's big enough to cope with our questions, to cope with our curiosity. The Christmas story is one pregnant with joy and promise, with life and pain. It encompasses all these aspects of human life because... It's a birth story. And birth stories are messy, aren't they? <laughs> You've all been born. I think there's probably good reason why we, we, we don't remember that process. We've all been born. Some of you will have given birth. Some of you will have been in the room while someone was giving birth. Still have the scars to show for it. I think my wedding ring passed through about three fingers it was being squeezed so tightly. That's the pain of childbirth, by the way. Uh, and the men laugh. Birth stories are full of peculiar memories, weird details, and complex emotions. Just realise what you're doing in life. You know, you watch a soap opera, the cars that break down on the way to hospital. 
children born in the back of cars, or I remember watching a, a, an episode of Holby City or Casualty once, and baby born in a, in a lift that had broken down in between floors. And you see all the drama in situations like that. But I'm sure situations like that do happen in real life. The re- I mean, the reality of giving birth or um, seeing my children birthed in a, in a comfortable hospital or in a birthing centre were bad enough. Shoulders get stuck, don't they, Faith? Causing an emergency response and all sorts of frightening things to happen. Child number two decides to, to, it's time to come out when the midwife's just gone on a break. Hmm, says Dad. What are you going to do here then? I ran and got the midwife. She was halfway through a sandwich. Just said, I'm sorry, but he's not waiting. Benjamin was a bit more serene with a nice water birth. Popped in the bath and out he, out he came. Grace was quite trouble-free too, although I understand the most painful. Biggest. Ten pound. Wow. <laughs> we, there's pain, there's crying, there's screaming. Sure, there's not very much laughing in that process. This is the beautiful mess of birth. And that's the thing, that's part of the thing that we're gathering to Remember. It's part of the thing that Mary and Joseph went through together. What, you, what other things are kind of like giving birth, kind of like seeing new things give birth? Think of the times that you maybe start a new job or started a new job. It's like starting again, a new life. Think of the time, if you're, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that, that, you've, that you first stepped into faith in Jesus Christ and life was so very different, life was so very new. Think of the time if, if, if you've had a child and you've, you've reared a child of how you, you're getting to know the, the, the newborn baby. You get to know something of the baby's personality. You, you grow together with the baby. You learn. Mary and Joseph, I'm sure, learned on the job how to care for Jesus. When Jesus was born, he was vulnerable, completely vulnerable, and so totally dependent on Mary and Joseph. Isn't that amazing? The King of Kings, God Almighty, the all-powerful one, became a totally dependent and vulnerable baby in the hands of two novice parents, a teenage mum. You see the picture on, you, on there, has Mary's wearing a Nazareth high school hoodie. The messiness of the nativity connects with us. How? In the messiness of our lives. Sometimes we try and pretend, don't we? All, it's just all going great. How are you? Brilliant, thanks. And sometimes we are, and that is great. Sometimes we don't quite say because it's not always appropriate to tell everyone in the world how you're feeling at any one point in time. But let's be real. There is pain in our lives. There is sadness. There is our times when we lack the joy, peace, hope and love. Or sometimes when we maybe even know it's there, but we're struggling to see it. A little bit like the sun most of the time in England. It's still there. We just can't always see it. If you're struggling to see this light that we celebrate coming down this Christmas time, then keep looking. I understand we want it because we want wholeness. We want this life in all its fullness that Jesus came to give. That's my, my primary 
passion for everyone who God's gifted me in, under my care in the church or in my family. Life in all its fullness. So if someone comes to me in pain, I pray for life in all its fullness for that person. I seek God at that moment and, and in my own personal prayer times for life in all its fullness for everyone I know and love. But this, Jesus is big enough to embrace the other two. For every season in which you feel anxious, there is Joseph trying to anticipate what his friends and family are going to say when they hear about this situation he's been put in. For every time you feel shame, there is Mary, pregnant yet unmarried, a teenager, pushed away by the very people her son came to save. For every time you see a glimmer of hope, think of the shepherds, rushing to Bethlehem, being told that peace and goodwill is for them as well. This newborn king is for them as well. Every time you see, share in a moment of incredible joy, think of those angelic choirs. Glory be to God on high. As they shine out in the dark night. The best news of the nativity is that the mess in our lives at times is not lost on the nativity. The nativity is big enough to embrace the messiness of our lives too. You know what I want for the church? I want the church to be a little bit more messy. Every week I write an order of service and we do things in order. And there's a reason for that. Scripture talks about that too. But I remember Jeff Lucas, who I hugely admire, say, say once when asked to put his finger on one thing he wishes for the church, he says, I, I think it needs to be messier. You know what? If we've got a dozen people in church who've never been to church before, they don't know what to do, even though we're quite low and light, really, in our sense of order and liturgy. You know, things get messier. I know people who come, who've just become Christians, they bring their lives with them and then they need a lot of help to move on in, in life and faith. That's messy. Why is church not messy all the time? It's because we've made it something, I think, different from what it could be if we're being that agent of hope and peace and joy and love, the ambassadors for Jesus in the world. I'm going to be quiet because my joint is in the oven. Um, but I hope that's helped you just to, to think about how big this very familiar, sometimes over-familiar Christmas story is. It's big enough to embrace all the children who, let's be honest, mostly just see the joy and the celebration and the wow of it all. Grace opened uh, something in a stocking this morning. This is the best Christmas ever! It's big enough for all that. Innocent joy and long may it last. It's also big enough for the person who has a faith, a child maybe, refugee on the continent who is longing to be with relatives in England and is being, being blocked. The homeless person sleeping in the shop front in Cambridge. It's big enough for the mess as well. Let's bring God our joy and let's bring God our pain. He's big enough and he will lead us forward. That Graffiti on the side of the telephone kiosk on the picture, Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 15 and 16, is a reference to the prophecy um, in, in Ezekiel where it talks, speaks of the good shepherd that is going to come and lead his people. He is leading. Are we following? I pray that we will be. Let's pray. Thank you, loving God, for all that you are. Thank you that you came. Thank you that you came for me. You came for everyone here and everyone in the world. 
good peace, goodwill to all humankind. That's a big prayer, but you're a big God. I pray that we will each and every one be re-energized in our mission as followers of you to share that love, peace, hope and joy wherever we go because we have Christ with us wherever we go. Amen and amen.